I would have to tell you that I'm also fueled by the fact that so many people came before me. I think of the Charlie Siffords, the Lee Elders, the Althea Gibsons, the Teddy Rhodes, and it goes on and on and on. What they had to endure makes what I'm doing, for me, it's just not that hard. It is time consuming, true, but I have to take the next steps and recognize the great people that came before me, black and white, that stood up, took a position, maintained it, and created change. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and this is where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, Thanks so much for joining us and please subscribe to the show so you hear about all of our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. Before we get started here, I did want to thank one of our supporting partners, Golf Genius Software, for helping bringing you this episode. Golf Genius powers tournament management at over 10,000 private clubs, public courses, resorts, and golf associations and tours in over 60 countries. So if you're a golf professional or course operator who wants to save time, deliver exceptional golf experiences, and generate more revenue, Check them out online at golfgenius.com. So as you might know, I was at the PGA show in January of 2022 for the first time in three years that I was there. And I had the opportunity to connect with all these awesome people that I know in the golf industry, met some new people and had the pleasure and the honor of being invited to the Diversity and Inclusion Forum, which I intended a couple of years ago and met Dr. Michael Cooper again, who we've had on as a show guest and to reconnect with today's guest, and that is Jim Beatty, who I am honored to have on the show. Jim and I have talked about for years to, to have a conversation, so today is the day, and we're having that. So before I say too much about all the good things you're doing and we get into that, Jim, hey, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. It's great to see you again. Thanks so much, Colin. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, Oh, Jim, you got so many balls in the air right now, so much going on. I don't know where to start. So I'm going to let you start. So what what I'd like to start is an icebreaker, as I call it here, Jim, with all my guests, whether they're a PGA professional or new to the game, I always like to find out how you got into golf in the first place. Can you tell us, share with us the first time you ever picked up a golf club and who made that happen for you? The first time would have been when I was invited to do a commercial for the Greater Omaha Chamber of Commerce. The commercial was meant to show the quality of life in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. So uh, the shoot was happening at a golf course uh, and they put a putter in my hand along with a couple of other people and we literally were putting the ball around on the green. So that was certainly for promotional purposes. But shortly after that, a gentleman by the name of Steve Hogan, who was a PGA professional, God rest his soul. At the time, he was the only African-American PGA professional in Nebraska. He ran the Par 3 City Course uh, here in Omaha. At that time, it was called Miller Park Golf Course. It now has been renamed in his honor to Steve Hogan Golf Course. Mm. He gave me, a, gave me a set of clubs and invited me to come on down and play whenever and however often I wanted to. And I got hooked on a game that I thought was simple. I have managed to make it difficult. And <laughs> I'm trying, 
trying to keep it simple, but I'd have to credit Steve Hogan with getting me involved in a very serious way with the game of golf. Wow. Wow. So we've talked about this a lot of the many themes you touched on during the diversity and inclusion forum at the PGA show, the power of invitation of being asked out and made to feel welcome because golf can be such an intimidating game for everyone, but especially for underrepresented communities and people. Absolutely. So how does, how did you connect with Steve? First of all, that he would even ask you out to the golf course and give you that opportunity to come out. Steve had just become a PGA pro. I knew him primarily from his expertise in tennis. He was a tennis pro at the uh, parks here in Omaha, and he decided to make a change to the golf industry. Uh, So I had been knowing him as a personal friend for quite some time. After he received his certification and passed all of his tests and was running the course, he simply reached out to me one day and said, come on down and, and play. As I mentioned, the rest is history for me that that really sparked a drive in me that I did not know I had to play the game, but also to get more involved. Eventually, I got involved on his board of directors, it was called Hogan's Junior Golf Heroes, which was the precursor to the first tee of Omaha. So so I served on his board, helped raise dollars and got involved with the management end of golf and the tournament aspect of it. And uh, also at that time, the Nike Tour, which was the tour at the time, it's changed names a couple of times, of course. But I was invited to sit on their board of directors as well to help put on the local tournament held again here in Omaha loved that experience. Then you get invited to do other things. And uh, I have a hard time saying no to something I like and, and to something I believe in. And golf certainly has uh, filled that space for me. Wow. what Wonderful. So I find this really interesting. Of course, you are the, the founder and president of Jim Beatty Golf Ventures, which you say yes to so many good things. And we're going to touch on a lot of those things, including the African-American Golf Expo and Forum, the African-American Golfers Magazine, and the Grassroots Program that is tied into the Make Golf Your Thing program and the good work you're doing with Dr. Michael Cooper. So I, I still want to rewind the tape a little bit because I'm really interested and curious to find out how you got into the golf industry. It almost sounds like you got into it accidentally or other opportunities and doors kept opening up and you kept walking through them. So even when you met Steve, what was your professional background or your work background? What were you doing? It doesn't sound like it was necessarily involved in golf at that time. Right. My professional background was in telecommunications and economic development. And I worked for the Northwestern Bell unit of AT&T before the Bell system was broken into several pieces. I was responsible for the development of the toll-free numbers and development of Omaha as the toll-free capital of the world. So at one time, most of the 800 calls dialed 1-800 toll-free to order Elvis Presley records or Ginzu knives, ambassador handbags, or to make a hotel reservation or car reservation. Most of those calls came to Omaha, Nebraska. And that was an intentional effort by the telephone company, Northwestern Bell, to go out and recruit those companies to bring them to to Omaha, which essentially located the workers, the folks answering the phone, generally have very little accent there. 
And I was honored to eventually head that group and work on bringing more and more of these companies and jobs to Omaha, Nebraska. I left a telephone company in 1982 and formed an economic development firm called NCS International, which I still run. So that's another ball in the air, uh, (laughs) if you will. I do corporate site selection and economic development consulting on an international basis and have been doing that again since 1982. So along the way, being introduced to the game of golf through Steve Hogan, I got more and more involved with, one, playing golf as a result of visiting a lot of cities and projects. They always ask, would you like to play around the golf? And eventually I said, I really need to get serious about this because apparently this is a part of the process of selling, marketing, and getting to know folks. And I'm so glad I did that. And as I mentioned, serving on Steve Hogan's board, Hogan's Junior Golf Heroes, the first tee. And then from that was asked to join some industry committees as a result of the invitation of Steve Mona, who was the uh, president of the World Golf Foundation asked me to get involved with the diversity initiative uh, at the World Golf Foundation, I'm sorry. And I did that at his invitation. And I was on that committee for perhaps a month before they asked me to chair a subcommittee on recreational play to get more women and minorities involved. And I did that. Things went well. Change continued to happen in the industry, and I was asked to do more. And again, as I mentioned, uh, I love doing as much as I possibly can to help out because so many, so many good people have come before me, Colin, and have done so much. I just feel it is an obligation on my part to do my part and to do it as well as I can to help others that are coming yet behind me. Well, you're certainly doing that, Jim, and that was certainly on display at the PGA show when I had the chance again to be part of the Diversity and Inclusion Forum. So let's let's talk about what happened at the Diversity and Inclusion Forum. I, yeah. I was really happy, I guess is a good way to put it, just really pleased to hear what you and Dr. Cooper were talking about, the fact now that you've got some funding that I want you to tell the story, I won't tell it, and now you're actually turning words into action and you have success stories and you actually have money to make things happen and you've proven out that this does work. So why don't we step back and why don't you tell us about what happened that afternoon during the uh, Diversity and Inclusion Forum there. Give, give us the highlights of that for the listeners. Colin, that forum was developed by myself, uh, Dr. Cooper, Craig Kirby, who runs a program called Golf My Future, My Game, and Mr. Mark Lawry, who is involved in the golf industry. He's a former executive of the First Tee. As you heard at the forum, he's also launching the National Golf Player Development Foundation. So the four of us uh, had been working for months to put that together, of course, with the assistance of the PGA, PGA Tour, uh, LPGA, USGA. We wanted to get everyone involved. But we wanted to show at this forum the progress that has been made over the past two or three years. Obviously, due to COVID, the PGA show was not held last year. And so people have been looking for the time to reconvene face-to-face. However, at this particular breakout session, which we have held before at PGA shows, the tone this year was markedly different. It showed action. It showed progress. 
Previous forums were more of a session where people stating this needs to be done, this ought to be done, we need help here, we need help there. And they were absolutely correct. And we've tried to take those words and turn those into action. And I think we've done a pretty good job of doing that over the past couple of years. You certainly have done that. And you've been able to put some uh, some gas in the tank, if you will, through the yes. grassroots grants program and the opportunities there. Can you tell us about that? And also for, for listeners yes. out there that may actually qualify and don't even know that this is out here. So why don't you talk about the available funds and the eligibility requirements and yes. maybe a success story. So tell us about the, the grassroots grants program. Absolutely. The grassroots grants program was uh, launched in 2021. And it was as a result of a Zoom call that we had that Dr. Cooper put together with the gentleman I mentioned before and the commissioners, LPGA, PGA Tour, and PGA of America. We had about a, uh, I think it was about a 40, 45 minute Zoom call. And we talked quite a bit about the need for visible support to come from the industry to support grassroots organizations around the United States. We certainly did not want to take anything away from the good work the First T is doing, but we have to acknowledge that there's other work going on by grassroots organizations. They bought into that, and thus the Grassroots Grants Program was developed. The initial funding which is made available to 501c3 organizations, uh, municipalities that are focused on bringing diversity in a programmatic way to their respective communities, to kids of color. We're really focusing on on the youth, although adult-related programs would qualify as well. So we were able to fund uh, several organizations. I believe it was 34 five or so the first time around with $150,000. And again, courtesy of the direction and the action that the commissioners put forth to put that money together. The way things work, you have to have money. There's just no getting around that. We received a number of applications. There is a formal process. This is all being done under the We Are Golf banner, which is, of course, part of the World Golf Foundation. We work with an excellent team of people there. We have a number of volunteers involved that actually rate and rank the applications, which is a very trying, time-consuming, yet very satisfying process to receive all of the applications and then try to make a fair determination on who should be funded and, and at which level. So that first session went well. We got another round of funding, another 150000 We were able to get that out to another 30, 40 groups as well. That has gone well. And now we have been informed that for 2022, we will have $750,000 wow. to put out to the communities in America that are doing excellent diversity work. I should say it's not only regarding diversity with the youth and adults, but uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say adaptive play is a part of that as well, too. 
So the forum that we both attended, uh, that I co-chaired with Dr. Cooper, was to try to bring that information to many of the community groups that we know are out there that either had not received funding yet, were not aware of the program, or indeed had received funding, and to let them know that they can still apply and receive additional funding. So we were very, very pleased with the comments we received that day and the comments we have received since then. We believe this is a hit. We are looking to continue to do more in this space, and we're just very thankful to the golf industry for their support uh, of this program. Yeah, it's wonderful. And for all the listeners out there, if you want to learn more about the Grassroots Program, Grassroots Grants Program, or even thinking about, hey, maybe we we could apply for this. Maybe we qualify. I will include in the show notes the link to that and some information. Yes. So nice and nice and easy for everybody to be able to find that gym without question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Hey, uh, on the note to finish up with the grassroots grants program, a success story you could tell that's perhaps come through the first cohort that, uh, the $150,000 of one that you can share with us that, uh, that makes you smile. They all make me smile. They, they all yeah. are, are very good. Sure. Craig Kirby certainly comes to mind. He is one of the stalwarts uh, in the golf industry, in my mind. Programs that he has uh, developed as a result of this include developing an internship for kids of color to actually work at a golf course in uh, Westville, Ohio, under the superintendent team there, led by Mark Jordan, who's also coincidentally the immediate past president now of the Golf Course Superintendents of America. He was able to get four kids from college to become interns at the course, learn about being a superintendent, learn about golf course green grass operations. They've certainly received a stipend housing as well. And uh, we hope we have begun to groom for additional people to go into the golf industry. So that was a, an intentional effort by the Westfield Country Club. We're very thankful for that. We're thankful for Craig's leadership on it. And of course, Mark Jordan, again, the superintendent there, but for the past year has been serving as the president of the Golf Course Superintendents of America. That's what you want to see. And uh, we hope to see more like that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks for sharing that. One of the other things of the forum that you talked about was supplier diversity and vendor contracts. So it's not just about getting people uh, from minority communities and to play more golf or even pick up a golf club for the first time, but that multi-billion dollar business opportunity, and that is to diversify the workforce. So can you tell us a bit about the work that you're involved with on that end that you're supporting on supplier diversity and vendor contracts? Absolutely. And it starts with the fact that golf touts itself as an $84 billion industry. And I might say that that is based on figures from 2016. I would suggest that it's closer to $100 billion now, but uh, we'll use the $84 billion base. Now, of that amount, how much of that is spent with diverse suppliers? That number is not known. If I were to guess, I would put it at 1% or less. So is that a problem or an opportunity? 
Well, we see it as an opportunity. So again, due to the leadership of the commissioners, and I have to include Molly in here, and pardon me for just using her first name, the new commissioner for the LPGA, Mike Wine moved over to the USGA. So now we have four commissioners slash presidents involved in this effort. We are doing our absolute best to increase the base of supplier diversity out there, vendors, uh, in a very systematic way. So there is an industry collaboration effort, again, that the commissioners and presidents put together that touches on several aspects of the game. One is supplier diversity. That particular committee is being led by Gina Rizza, whom many in the industry know as the expert nationally on supplier diversity. She and her team and the committee have done a superb job. They've developed a database. They've gone online with it. People can register their companies online uh, from the comfort of their office or their home, whatever the case might be. They're actively seeking vendors to support golf's effort in tournament operations, as well as trying to be a matchmaker in the golf industry for golf companies that are looking to diversify their supply chain and their suppliers as well. So that is online under PGA Vendor Match through the uh, efforts of the industry. My understanding is now that they are taking another step to begin to quantify the success of their efforts and the results that are being yielded there. I would like to give one example, if I may, at our expo last year, and I'll touch on the expo later. Supplier diversity was one of the themes that we had, which we will have again. We had many small minority businesses come one of whom is the American Soul Brothers. They put together and manufacture a sauce. That was one. OMG Lemonade, which was founded by a 14-year-old African-American female. She's now 19 in Raleigh, North Carolina. American Soul Brothers is out of Atlanta. And Buckafogi, who is a golf apparel company out of Abingdon, Pennsylvania. Well, the folks at Reed Exhibitions, the folks that put on the PGA show, were so impressed, they were supporters and sponsors of us last year, that they actually came up with the idea to have a contest called Share Your Story, where the vendors that had not exhibited at the PGA show before could indeed submit a video talking about their story, their effort, and from those videos, one would be selected. OMG was selected to receive a free booth at the PGA show. You've been to a number of PGA shows. You know that of all of the vendors, and I think this year some 500 or so, there's a definite lack of uh, minority representation at the Mm -hmm. show. So Reed Exhibitions is, is intentionally and purposely doing something about that. But also the American Soul Brothers and Buck of Fogey were also at the show receiving uh, discounts on, on their space. Now, what has happened so far is that American Soul Brothers has also received an order and in doing business with Club Corps. So we have achieved, that is the actionable items, Colin, that you know I'm always looking for. What's the result? 
And we're seeing that happen now, and we want to see more of it and penetrate this $84 billion plus industry and continue to help it grow in all aspects. No, I, I love it. I love it. And during the Diversity and Inclusion Forum, I heard Omar White, who is the co-founder of American Soul Brothers, he told his story. And I was so impressed with that. And you just expanded on that also with what you just mentioned there, that I went to their booth and I talked to Omar and his co-founder and... We haven't set it up yet, but I love their story so much. The fact they had no connection to the golf industry at all, knew nothing about it, and now see the opportunity. I'm going to have Omar on as a guest on an upcoming episode of the Mod Golf Podcast for American Soul Brothers. So stay tuned for that one in a couple months' time also. Oh, I say outstanding. Omar and co-founder Kevin Shirley. And Kevin also made comments uh, at the forum and his comments were so well received. He was so animated, so sincere, so passionate about his experience in golf. And I don't want to take anything away from a future podcast, but I would tell your listeners when that episode comes out, tune in and listen to these young men talk about their experiences in golf. And also, I really have to tip my hat to David Pillsbury at Club Corps for being the impetus to make this happen. Good things take time. And I'd also say David Pillsbury was at the Expo last year and he spoke and he was very candid in his comments and he was very actionable. That's the difference. Yes turning words into action. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, looking forward to that story with Omar and American Soul Brothers. But let's bring it back to you now. Let's keep going here. So well, first, actually, to end up with supplier diversity and vendor contracts with the PGA of America and, and PGA Match and PGA Works, I will also include the links to that in the show notes. So it's easy for our listeners to find out there more information. Go about that. So I want to ask you about this now. So geez, there's so many things to ask you here. I go, well, I got to hold off on a couple of them. Of course, we're going to jump over to our YouTube channel. We're going to continue the conversation there. So we're not going to talk about everything. We're going to hold off on a few things, but I did want to ask you about something, another ball that you have in the air that's very exciting. And that's the African-American Golf Expo and Forum that I believe coming up is going to be in Charlotte this year. Is that correct? So tell us about absolutely, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. I wanted to bring that up for sure. <laughs> August 27th through August 31, the second African-American Golf Expo and Forum will be held at the Embassy Suites in Concord, which is just adjacent. It's in the greater Charlotte area. We are so excited about that. And Colin, what happened is that there are several people locally that wanted to see the expo come there. The Convention and Visitors Bureau approached me, a number of other folks uh, involved, and they put on a, I'll just call it a full court press to use a uh, <laughs> basketball analogy. I and my chief of staff, Charlene Williams, we took a visit there as we did to several cities. We had seven cities approach us as a result of our success from last year in Atlanta. Oh, and so uh, we took a visit there and needless to say, they impressed us. They have everything we're looking for. Our goal is to deliver quality to our attendees, to our sponsors and exhibitors. We want to get room rates that are affordable. We've achieved that, we feel. 
We want to have a golf course that we can walk to from the uh, hotel. We've achieved that. And we want an overall experience. And I, I will put it shamelessly put in a plug here that the registration will start on Valentine's Day, February 14th, for people to sign up for the expo. Last year, my friend, we had 750 people sign up for activities over the four days of the expo. That translates into about 450 unique separate individuals, and we had an economic impact of about $700,000. We certainly plan to exceed those numbers this year. All of the comments that I've received have been positive and supportive. So you're right. This is another ball in the air, but it's one that I gladly toss up and, and hope that I can keep it moving. Well, hey, I got to ask you this because you just used the basketball analogy. So it got me thinking there. So we got golf, basketball, and Charlotte. There's a certain gentleman by the name of Michael Jordan that some people may know of. Any chance you can get MJ to, uh, to make a guest appearance and show up at the expo? Well, you know what? Because it's MJ, what I'm going to do is waive his conference fees and comp a room for him. That's what I'm willing to do if he's willing to come. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, he'll be invited for sure, uh, along with the good people from NASCAR, the colleges and universities in the area. We're going to have, in addition to all of the breakout sessions, which there will be one every hour, we're also going to have a career fair. Scott Kimmick with the PGA of America, he and I and Craig Kirby, who co-chairs the uh, Workforce Development Subcommittee in this industry collaboration, we literally just met two days ago. We are planning a career fair to have 18-year-olds and others come out, 18-year-old and higher, adults that want to make a change, job-seeking adults. So we will have that activity running adjacent and as a part of the uh, expo. That's another ball. I don't know which ball. Maybe that's a baseball. But nonetheless, <laughs> it's another ball in the air. We want to get people in the industry. We want to approach them where they are. And so this is for anyone in the Charlotte area. Stay tuned. We will have more information coming out about the career fair. But we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Nice. And I'll also include a link. Someone out there wants to attend. I'll do my best to make it nice and easy for them to learn more. So I include the link up to your expo also in the show notes. Thank so, you, sir. Uh, absolutely. So you've got so much going on and your energy is infectious. And I, you know, you make me look like a slacker too. So I feel kind of guilty that I need to step up my game and do more here, Jim. You've got it going on 24-7 here. But talking about so much going on, I'm going to flip this around kind of the top of my head here. It's like, even though you've got so much going on, you can burn out really easily. What do you do to relax for your physical and mental health? What do you do? Is that golf or why don't you tell us about that? What do you do to relax and enjoy <laughs> when you're not doing all the things you're doing? Colin, indeed, it is golf. It's very relaxing for me. I will tell you that every day that I get up, I also pray. That is very important to me. I know that whatever it is I'm doing, I'm being led by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to give me the strength to do what it is I need mm -hmm. to do and to hopefully inspire others to do what they need to do if they're involved with me or whatever it is they're doing. So I pray a lot as well, too. 
But I would have to tell you that I'm also fueled by the fact that so many people came before me. I think of the Charlie Siffords, the Lee Elders, the Althea Gibsons, the Teddy Rhodes, and it goes on and on and on. What they had to endure makes what I'm doing, for me, it's just not that hard. It is time-consuming, true, but I have to take the next steps and recognize the great people that came before me, black and white, Mm -hmm. that stood up, took a position, maintained it, and created change. A couple of years ago, the PGA show had a panel called The Disruptors, which I believe my good friend in Tampa, Clemmie Perry, served on that. And that kind of hit me, The Disruptors. So, you know, you're not trying to hurt anything, but you're simply trying to bring change to it where needed and turn that change into action. So I do my best, but praying is a big part of it. Mm, Well, yes. Your spiritual well-being is so tied into our purpose and our physical health also. So it's it's all intertwined and it's all critically important. And Clemmie Perry, yes, the Golf Disruptors panel, I've heard of that. Oh, I think I know why, because I actually hosted that and I organized that. Let's <laughs> see. I, I was setting you up, my friend. I was, I was waiting for you to jump in there. You, uh, so, you, you, yeah. you put it on the tee for me there, Jim. Hopefully I, I uh, managed go. to hit it down the middle of the fairway there. So there, there we go. Absolutely. Um, so, so there's so many other things I want to talk to you about, but why don't we hold off till we jump on our YouTube channel? I want to talk about as far as player development, especially at that elite level for young black golfers, as far as getting an update from you, just as far as historical black colleges and universities and the work going on there, the Lee Elder Scholarship that's oh, going on. Lord. So hold on to all that. I know you probably could just like give it to me all right now, but why don't we hold off there? And I encourage all of our listeners to also become viewers and get the answer to all of these questions that I still have for Jim on our Mod Golf YouTube channel. So, hey, before we leave here, Jim, why don't you let uh, our audience know where they can find out about all the good things that you're doing with Jim Beattie Golf Ventures and how they can get a hold of you? Certainly with the Expo, you go to the website, which is being updated as we speak. AAGolfExpo.com is where the information will be posted for registration, for scheduling. Everything is there. We've tried to make it very easy to navigate that. You can sign up online, do everything that's needed. So please start that process on February 14th, which I believe is Monday, Monday after Super Bowl, right? Uh That we will uh, have all of that online. And the other thing is, which we'll talk about later, AfricanAmericanGolfersMagazine.com is where you'd want to go to find out anything that's going on from an African-American perspective in golf. Thank goodness and thank God for DeBert Cook. That magazine is 17 years old now. Serve as executive editor of that. Another ball in the air. That's been going for 17 years. Almost 80,000 readers involved in that. So one way or another, you're going to find out. We're trying to put the information out there, my friend. And you're doing a great job of that. And you are what Dr. Michael Cooper calls a linking agent. I look at you as you're one of those super connectors. You are such (laughs) an amazing community builder and you have that give first mindset, which is rare and so valuable. And uh, I appreciate the work, Jim, that you're doing to make not only golf, but also society and the world a better place. So thank you for all the great things that you're doing. Well, I have to tell you, uh, I know we're we're going to move to the YouTube, but uh, you inspired me a few years ago when I met you. You were so absolutely supportive 
of my thoughts and ideas, which I was just framing. And you were encouraging. You gave me the backdrop on how I should approach things. And so, my friend, I owe you a debt of gratitude, and I am forever in your corner. Oh, well, I appreciate that, Jim. It's so nice of you to say. And I, I've got a feeling uh, we're just getting started here. It's exciting. I think the best things still lie ahead, and that's what also gets us out of bed in the morning. Yes, so sir. I'm looking forward to many long years of collaborating, and hey, perhaps we can get out on the golf course one of these days. If you're willing to put up with my 16 handicap, we'll get out there and, uh, and play around together sometime soon. Anytime, my friend. Anytime, anywhere. I'm ready. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Jim Beatty, thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Blessings to all. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.